Good morning this morning. I am wearing my IU shirt because Indiana takes on North Carolina today in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Look, when you're at Indiana, you know what you do? You beat the hell out of North Carolina. Can you imagine? Seriously, I'm going to give you, this goes back a long time, and you can call me an old man that's reliving the glory days, but it's really not that. Uh, Back in 1984, before any of you were born out there, we played North Carolina, Michael Jordan, and we beat that backside. But that's not the story. The story is this. Coach Knight on Sunday, our team meeting on Sunday, walks in. The game is Thursday. Walks in and says, let me tell you right now. Any of you that don't think we're going to beat that soft-ass mother blankers, get the blank out of this locker room right now. And I thought about it today because I'm thinking to myself, you know what? How would that go over now? People would be crying. Media would be like, oh, my God, fire this guy. Mommies and daddies would be on social media. I don't know. It just came to me. Toughen up. And I'll tell you about toughen up. There goes my glass. It's toughening up because I keep hitting the table. Let's talk about USA. USA taking on Iran. I don't know if you watched the game or not, but Kristen Pulisic actually gave up a testicle. Not really, but he went blank to the wall. My niece, the lovely Emily Eamon, who does volleyball for the Big Ten Network and others, actually said the term balls to the wall. Now, if you look it up, it's not a derogatory term, but if you really look it up, Christian Pulisic went balls to the wall yesterday, and the United States got the win. And I just saw this. The people in Iran were actually celebrating that their team got beat. Now, let me go into something. I'm so freaking tired of guys like LeBron James. I'm so freaking tired of people whining, blanking, moaning about everything going on in this country. It's fine to complain about what's going on in this country if you accentuate the positives as well, if you're fair about it. But all I ever hear from these jackasses in the media, these jackasses in sports, is how awful this country is. You want awful? Reports are out there that these Iranian players are now going to have to go back and face torture to their families. Now, I don't believe the media, so I really don't believe that this is true. But it is a report. It did come from somewhere. Who knows if it's true or not, but the fact of the matter is we all believe it. We believe it. Do you understand what I'm saying? We see this, and we believe it. No one would ever believe that about the United States. No one would ever say, well, you know. If Tim Howard back in the day gave up a goal, boy, oh boy, he better be careful about what our government is going to do. You're seeing images right now. See, this is what drives me crazy. We live in the greatest country in the history of the world, and we're doing everything we can to F it up. We have too much. It's too easy. So when it's too easy and you have too much, what happens? The devil gets in there, Satan gets in there, the enemy gets in there, and warps our mind. We're completely insane. I want to celebrate the goodness of our country. How about this, free speech? How about the ability to not sing the national anthem, not stand up for the national anthem, kneel at the national anthem, and not get murdered or not get threatened? You don't want to go to work? Don't go to work. 
No one's going to kill you for it. You give up a goal, no one's going to kill you for it. You have every opportunity, every single opportunity in the world to make yourself into something. Yes, there are problems, and don't start with Of course there are. Of course there is racism. But don't tell me that cops are only out there shooting people. Stop with that stupid stuff. Every day I could do a show on the good deeds that cops do. If you're going to get into stuff, seriously get into stuff, then get into stuff that's real. We're so politicized because we want our narrative to move forward that we don't get involved in one thing and one thing that's the most important, and that is the truth. It's time we get back to the truth. I'm sitting here and I'm listening to different pundits on television. And I'm listening to them all of a sudden saying things that I've been saying for years. Shut the hell up. If you can't say anything nice on top of all the negative stuff, then you know what? I don't want to hear you. If everything you're telling me about our country is awful, 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 you're wrong. Your narrative is wrong. It's your narrative because everything in our country isn't awful, awful, awful. If people would get off their ass and go to work, if people wouldn't get so easily freaking offended by every little damn thing. Did you see this the other day? Stephen A. Smith had to apologize for using the word homosexual, which actually is a scientific term because we're supposed to say gay and we're offended. I was in a meeting a training meeting where I'm not allowed to tell a young lady or an old lady or a dude, I guess, hey, nice shoes. I like your shoes. Yeah, that's bad. We're not allowed to say guys. You're supposed to say folks. How about we stop being so god dang offended and grow a hair on our backside and start living and realizing that we are in the greatest country ever. And all you got to do is look at what has happened or what is supposedly to happen to the folks in Iran. All you got to do is look at what has happened across the globe. You know, we see people marching in China. We see people celebrating American goals against their country in Iran. We see people standing up to oppression. Now, you can make up oppression here. You can say that every word that doesn't celebrate the LGTQ community is hate speech, if that's what you want. Clearly, it's not. Most people don't care if you want to know the truth, and I'm one of them. I don't give a damn who you're having sex with. I don't give a damn your lifestyle. I don't need it thrown in my face, but I don't give a damn about it. That doesn't mean I'm hateful. That just means I'm a human being. And I got my own stuff. I don't care who you're sleeping with. And I would assume you don't care who I am. Man, everything isn't hate speech. Everything isn't awful. Now let's get away from that. Got my friend Maximilian. Bredo's coming on today. He knows soccer better than any human being alive. We've got uh, United States Congressman Jim Banks coming on today. Hopefully you're joining us. All right, United States, Christian Pulisic decided, you know what, I'm going to give everything I got, right place, right time. I said this yesterday on this show, and I said it on the other show. If you are going to be a superstar in this country, then you have got to show up in the biggest of moments. Reggie Jackson going back 100 years. Bam. I don't want to hear about Mike Trout. Mike Trout's the greatest baseball player ever. I don't ever see Mike Trout do anything in the postseason. I see that damn little dude for uh, uh, El Tuve for the Houston Astros. I see him all the time. And I don't want to hear about Verlander. Verlander pitched five innings. 
You want to show up, you want to be big time, you show up in the biggest moments, and Christian Pulisic actually showed up in the biggest of big moments and forevermore is an American hero. 38th minute of the match, nine minutes were added at the end, and that was a very stressful, very, very stressful time. But hey, look, Pulisic decides I'm going balls to the wall, damn near literally. There were some funny things said, like uh, our guy Big Cat, hey, I'll give you mine if you lost yours. People were celebrating. People were excited, and it's going to only get better 10 o'clock against the Netherlands. It's going to be fantastic. And if you didn't watch and you don't like soccer, who can blame you? Look, it's boring as hell, with all due respect. But I'll tell you this, when it's the United States taking on Iran, it ain't boring as hell, so get over yourself. United States advancing in the World Cup, taking on the Netherlands at 10 o'clock in the frickin' morning? The hell else you got to do at 10 o'clock in the morning? I'll tell you what I'm doing. My fat, you know what, is going to be sitting right here, watching it, screaming, probably having 17 cups of coffee, going to the bathroom 15 times, but I'm going to be screaming. And by the way, LeBron James and your load management, and all you clowns out there that can't play every day because 48 minutes of basketball is hard. Oh, my God, it's hard. Can you imagine? And I got to play every day? That's too much. Uh, Pulisic from the hospital, he'll be playing on Saturday because that's what champions do. That is. Look, don't at me with this crap. Don't at me with load management. Don't at me with any of it. All I'm telling you is Christian Pulisic did what champions do. He showed up at the biggest moment in the history of his career. He can make all the money that he wants to make, and he will. He'll make it because he's that kind of good, that kind of respected. But like Reggie Jackson, and this is older than all of you, going three deep, baby, against the Dodgers in the World Series, Pulisic showed up. Nobody knows soccer better than my friend Maximilian Bredos. Nobody knows it better than the great Max Bredos. Maximilian, it's good to see you, my friend. How are you? Dan, I am what, what a wonderful image to to wake up to. I'm here in LA, so I I, I rolled out of bed not too long ago. However, uh, I've been getting up early for this World Cup, so it's been great. But w- in a couple weeks, we'll get back onto the regular sleep pattern. But right now, let's enjoy it. As you said, get up, enjoy it, and this is rare air to get to see the United States uh, making this pathway. We've waited a long time. Max, I, I I said this when I watched them play England. I know England's one of the You know, I don't know soccer. I don't pretend to know soccer. And England is one of the top five teams in the world. But I'm watching the two teams play knowing nothing. And I said to myself, wait a second. Athletically, the United States can play here. I don't know about technically. So how good is this United States team? They are – it's – this has been a conversation I've had with a lot of people. And and it falls in different areas. I think we've – we feel they are potentially could be great. I think they're – pieces on this team that are exemplary uh depth wise we're probably not there but there is a pathway to where we can be an elite team year in year out when you look at uh the the young players that we're developing the young players that are 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 now being they're not slipping through the cracks here in the united states and are playing for top european clubs they are out there. So this is a very good team. There is it flawed? It sure is. But to your point, you know, there's always a, an, a, an American, I guess, tradition in World Cup. They always get to play up 
to opponents, and sometimes they play down to opponents. And Iran may have been one of those teams they played down to, but they didn't. They 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 played a very consistent level. I think the most it's a good and a bad thing with this U.S. team. We can't score goals. That's frustrating. We we need to have a little bit more. Uh, cutting edge in the attack. And that's something I think for the next World Cup we really have to work on. I don't think we have that in uh, 2022. Uh, but what we do have is a group of guys that uh, stonewall you defensively, as you said, athletically run you to the ground and do do jobs very well. They've been very consistent in this World Cup and they, have they haven't had that drop. So this is a team that can compete with anyone. I think what you saw with England, I'm not saying they're going to make a semifinal or a final or win this thing, but they can play with anybody. And that is a, that's something I don't think we could always say. And they have some pieces that haven't quite developed. Gio Reyna hasn't played. He is, uh, he is on Christian Pulisic's level when given the chance to play. But his problem is that he's just inexperienced. This team's ceiling is very high. And the fact that they've got here, the pressure's off. They can beat the Netherlands, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a lot more as we get closer to Saturday. But this is a team that uh, is capable, and I know nobody in the field wants to play them. Tyler Adams uh, not only handled himself great in the press conference, but the dude plays every minute. I, look, I don't know, but I know I can't stop watching that kid. I know we're all supposed to watch Pulisic, and he's great. Don't get me wrong. But Tyler Adams, for me anyway, has emerged. Has he always been this? Am I just am I late to the party? No, he. We always thought he'd be good, but this is this is a, a step in the the next direction. We were, I was talking to some of my colleagues, and at his position, we couldn't think of someone who's having a better tournament. And I know the tournament's still in diapers. We still have a long way to go. Hasn't had a better tournament. So some people who are new to uh, soccer. What I what we love about the sport is it's a collection of you, you can't just throw your best players in there. You need guys that do certain jobs. And what Tyler Adams does is the most difficult job on the field in many ways. He uh, it's not the sexiest position. He has to win ball. He has to dispossess the the opposition. And then when he wins that ball, he has to def when he's not winning the ball, he's defending. He is connecting the defense to the midfield. He is distributing passes it is it is the most it really is the most important field it's the most important position on the field and he's doing it with such uh class skill tenacity uh he's gotten he we all thought he was really good so you haven't missed much dan we all thought it was really good but in these three games that we've seen in qatar he has taken to a next step and uh, i think he was bought by leeds united in england for about twenty million dollars, and we thought that was a, that was a lot of money. I mean, so in soccer you, clubs, if you want a player, you have to buy the player from another team. Leeds United are in line to doubling their investment as as soon as this summer. It's that he's been that good. So we're going to see Tyler Adams. Leeds United is an excellent club playing in the Premier League, but we're going to see Tyler Adams play for a. a, a dare we say a Manchester United, a top team in England, a top team in Spain, because he's in, as they say, the shop window right now, the world cup, everyone in the world has seen him and think about it. He's they're, they're one of the top 16 teams. They can't take it away. They could be one of the top eight teams. And Tyler Adams is the most important player. And I will say I've racked my brain. I don't think there's a player playing defensive midfielder and that defensive midfielder is not the, 
the nicest way to say it because he does so much more than that. I haven't seen a player play better than him at this World Cup, and I'm not a prisoner of the moment. That is factual. Yeah, you know what? I mean, again, I, I just, you know, he just caught my eye, and I, and I didn't know who he was. Um, <laughs> should the United States, should the United States, I, I mean, I know we're all celebrating, and it's great. Obviously, you want to beat Iran, a lot going on, you know, outside. Um, but when you looked at the draw initially, when you looked at the groups, did you did you have this happening? Did you have the United States? Is this something that should have happened? Should have. The sports book said it should have, but it was a very <clears throat> fine margin. And what you have is you have a top five team in the world in England, and everyone assumed they were going to win the group. They won the group. England's excellent. So when we watched the U.S. playing England so hard and almost beating England, that was a massive accomplishment. And for them to get a tie there, and I know people don't like ties. Ties are really important, and that point there uh, really helped get the United States over the line. But in Wales and Iran, you have two teams that uh, – so the FIFA rankings, they're not accurate in many ways, but they are a pretty good uh, gauge as to where they should be. So USA was ranked 16th. I think Iran was 21st, Wales was 22nd. So they were tightly packed. And the lines for those games were razor, razor thin. So it really is a, it's a situation where you don't have a team in the group that you could beat up on. They're, they weren't there. Iran uh, had a lot on their plate with what's going back on that country, what's going on back in that country. But this is a very good team. They play a very European style. They have three or four uh, elite players. Wales have Gareth Bale. To qualify out of Italy, I mean, to qualify out of Europe is very hard. 13 teams make it from Europe. So Wales made it. Italy didn't make it. Sweden didn't make it. Norway have the best player in the world. They didn't make it. So, you know, these Wales, it's no accident. They're no, they're not a weak sister by any means in this field. They, uh, it was always going to, the U.S. were favored, but man, it, it was the, the finest of margins because Wales and Iran, you didn't have a team ranked in the 50s or 60s that you could possibly get an easy an easy victory from that didn't exist here this was this was quite an accomplishment for the united states to get through and sure enough it was they squeezed in but that's what we were expected to see and they did it hey <clears throat> i'm gonna go to Polisic before i get into what's gonna happen or what you see happening coming up on saturday with the netherlands uh, shows up, massive moment. You know, you, you for your whole life, you've been in sports. You know, you got to show up. You know, in the biggest of moments. <clears throat> I always refer, and it's because I'm old. But the Reggie Jackson three home runs, World Series against the Dodgers. Like, man, <clears throat> that's kind of the baseline for me. No surprise, Pulisic showed up. How good is he on the national stage? Dan, I could get you with a dated reference any day of the week. So, uh, you, uh, Reggie Jackson showed up. I mean. <laughs> Everyone, I mean, whoever it is will show up. You know, Michael Jordan shows up. These guys are, uh, they're big names, but it doesn't mean that they're going to deliver in this way. He has really been valiant in many ways, not just with his play, but uh, being able to figure things out and to put his body on the line there is like an extra bonus because that was really hard. He knew he was going to get smashed. And the reports from the U.S. men's national team social media account is that he has a pelvic bruise. And we were doing a little homework, and what that means is uh, the area 
<laughs> underneath his groin area was struck by the goalkeeper. So that is bruised. And I don't think anybody wants that. And he knew he was going to get smashed, not just by the goalkeeper, but the defenders. But this was, you know, these goals are so precious for the U.S. team. They He can score pretty goals. We know that. We've seen him play at Chelsea. We've seen him win a European Cup with Chelsea. He is a sexy player. He is elegant in every way. But this was, you know, get your lunch pail, get in there and find a way to score a goal, which held up as the game winner. Uh, he's been so impressive. His, he's historically known um, for a guy who's had to deal with injuries. He's been injury prone over and over again to the point where you start saying, can we rely on Christian Pulisic? He's going to be injured again, but he's stayed healthy for the last year. I mean, we're all holding his breath ahead of this world. Christian Pulisic's going to get injured. He always gets injured. He did it. And now he is injured. And he's saying, and this was a quote that he said to the team, you better bet I'm going to play on Saturday. He's a baller. Everyone should be really proud of him. He is a superstar. The one thing about Christian Pulisic as Americans when we're watching, there are people in England, there are people in Europe, there are people in South America whose favorite player is Christian Pulisic. And you've never been able to say that about an American. That's just how far he's come. And it's amazing because he's still, he's a baby, but he's put together quite the resume and he is building it even more in the World Cup after he didn't get to make it in 2018. He's making up for that. I would not underestimate that guy in a minute. And he is, uh, he's been consistent. There's a couple things you'd like to see him work on. Uh, set pieces, corner kicks, free kicks. You'd like to see a little better delivery. Uh, but he has this one trait that very few play players in the world can do, and that is take on defenders. Get a ball like a, a top basketball player, go right at the defender and beat him one-on-one. -on -one. He can do that, and very few can. Max, good, good no call last minute or two. Good no call? <laughs> yeah, it was the, the Iranians. I mean, people, I know people are saying, hey, they're flopping around all there. That was a, an axe. Matt, Matt Turner. I mean, what? Matt Turner, our goalkeeper, like I said about Tyler Adams, I don't think he's the best goalkeeper in the tournament just based on the work, but he's right, one of the two or three. He uh, he handled it perfectly. He didn't re uh, read in. He kind of let the uh, the contact come into him. And if you look at it, it's actually the, the Iranians were uh, complaining that it was a penalty. When you look at it close enough, they, they, it could have backfired on them and it could have been a red card on Mehdi Taremi the attacker because his cleats were up and he kind of went into the goalkeeper. So that is a good no call. But I'll tell you this, we all held our breath with in this new era <laughs> yeah. of VAR with instant replay. You just don't know. And I'm not saying that they're wrong, but you don't know what some of the officials are looking at. And uh, they have videos that we, they have replays that we're not seeing. So uh, relief, especially it would have been very cruel. So very good no call. And I think the officiating has been very good at this World Cup. Hopefully knock on wood, it stays that way. Before I get to another, I want to piggyback on that. Um, I I, I got to tell you what I've watched, and I've watched more soccer this week than I've watched in a long, long time, maybe ever. <laughs> I, I, I haven't. Are people complaining about flopping? I haven't seen a bunch of flopping. There is flopping, but there's always flopping, and I mean, flopping is something that we see in in every sport. And the idea of flopping is to get a edge. And if I was a coach. And you've obviously, you've obviously been a coach. I don't know, but you you want to get your players to get an edge within the rules of of the game, and if done well, it can change a game. So uh, there is flopping. There are some guys that flop a little more, 
uh, we'll call it simulation, but there, it, it, I don't think it's been um, outrageous in years past. I'll say this, the one guy that is the, the poster boy of simulation diving is Neymar. And what has happened instead, he played the Serbs and they tackled him so much and repeatedly. There's uh, photos of his ankle, which looked like a pumpkin. And he's gonna miss, he missed the second Brazil game. He's going to miss the third. So we can talk about the simulation and flopping, but we also got to talk about the very hard defensive tackling and tactics, which have taken out one of the best players of this World Cup. So it's there. Um, it hasn't been too obtuse. But I, for one, I mean, if, if an, an American player does it and gets an edge, I will, I'll pump my fist. I'll be all right with it. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't annoyed me to the point where, like, yeah. college football, man, dudes look like they've been shot running off the field. All of a sudden, they just go down. It's everywhere, dude. Dan. You know I'm know telling I mean? you, it is everywhere. But do you know why they're doing it? Because it works. Right, I know. You know that is interesting. If it works, hey man, you got to do it. All right, the Netherlands, ten o'clock Eastern time, seven o'clock where you are. What are the Netherlands? The Netherlands are. They're coached by Louis Van Hal, who is a, a, a legendary coaching figure. He's very steely, uh, intense guy. Um, he's actually, it's actually a really good story. He has been dealing with a very aggressive cancer and he coached the Netherlands in 2014 and he's kind of hit it all. Uh, and we, many people feel this could be his, his last dance as a, as a major coach as he has to tend to, uh, his health after this. Uh, not that you would be able to tell. I mean, he's not, he, this is a story that came out. It, it didn't come from him, but, uh, he's a very compelling figure he is, you know, a guy who's been there, done that, and they'll have a huge coaching advantage. But the Netherlands didn't make the World Cup like the U.S. in 2018. They've never won a World Cup, but not from lack of trying. They made the final in 2010. They made the final in, I want to say, 1978. And they've been really close. It's an amazing soccer culture. It's a small country, and they, they've created some of the most uh, – incredible players in the history of the game, Johan Cruyff and Ruud Hullet and Frank Rijkaard. This team doesn't have a, a glut of these Dutch superstars that we've seen and have. They have some really good players. Much like the U.S., they lean into their defense. They may have one of the best defenders in Virgil van Dijk, who plays at Liverpool, and Nathan Ake, who plays at Manchester City. Uh, they've scored goals, but they haven't really scared teams too much. They've done enough to win a group that they were supposed to win with Qatar, Senegal, and Ecuador. Uh, Cody Gakpo is a bit of an unknown quantity, but he scored a goal in every game. And he plays in the Dutch League, and now he's going to Manchester United. Result, he's very good. They play with three in the back, which is different than what the U.S. saw against England or Iran. But they there's a challenge, certainly, for them to be able to find players that can break that down. This is a good team. Uh, my fear about them is that they're growing into the tournament. They haven't they haven't been threatened. They haven't really blown you away. They haven't been like France or Brazil where you go, this team is to be reckoned with. But uh, it's, a, it's a team I think the U.S. will approach with, uh, um, with an ability that they can beat. You see the guy that, that you showed, Memphis Depay there. He was their best player coming in. He's done very little in, in the attack. And that was a guy I thought they needed to do well, but he hasn't quite clicked into place. They've only allowed one goal, much like the U.S. So this could be a real grind of a game. But what, what else would you expect? This is what we're getting here in the World Cup. 
this is a t- this, they're going to be a, a a big favorite, but I would say for the U.S., it's they're probably happier they're playing the Dutch as opposed to playing France or Brazil or Argentina or Spain, which to me are all a cut above the Netherlands. This is a, a you couldn't ask for if for finishing second in your group, which the U.S. did. You really couldn't ask for a better opponent. I think the U.S. will have a, a good game plan here. You've got to you've got to be able to control Cody Gakpo. He's been consistent and he's scoring goals. If you do that, you'll find yourself in a position where you can win this game. I think this is a uh, a low scoring, a uh, very grindy game. But w- what else is new? This is what the U.S. have given us this World Cup. But it's a it's a uh, formula that's worked. Let me go to that because you've said that a couple times now. Um, what would be it, three goals in a game against the United States would be insurmountable? What would two goals against the United States be? If the U.S. scored two? No, the opponent. Oh, if the, the, the opponent scored two. They could get it. I, look, I, everyone, I, I've been waiting for – I thought – my prediction for the Iran game was that they were going to win 3-1. My, my feeling to that was at some point with these attacking players, and they have great attacking options. They have Christian Pulisic, Tim Weah, who extends the field. He gives the other players space. Uh, the midfield has been excellent. Tyler Adams, Eunice Musa, Weston McKinney, they're all capable of scoring goals. Maybe not Adams, but the other two are. Brendan Aronson comes off the bench. He is more than capable. Uh, Josh Sargent, who uh, played forward for us, he's capable. He picked up an injury. He hyperextended his knee. We don't know about his availability. But we haven't had anyone scoring from the center forward, number nine. Uh, we have not. That's something that we need to get for 2026 when we go to our next World Cup. Uh, but... During the qualification process, we have been chasing that. We haven't quite scored gold. I, it's it's really weird, Dan, because talent-wise, they're more than capable. And I thought the identity of this team was we're going to outscore guys. We'll probably score six goals in the group stages. We scored two. I still think it's there, and it may, it may it just may all come out. It just may oh here we go finally. Uh, but they've they haven't shown that yet. So. In, in the means of being a practical, uh, resourceful team, they've leaned, I think they've leaned a little more into their defensive prowess, which they know is something that can uh, get them a result. Case in point, against Wales, which they're up a goal and they ended up tying, they, uh, they didn't make any adjustments. Against Iran, they were up a goal and they brought in another defender. So they defended the last 20 25 minutes and Iran they did have that chance at the very end but if you look I walk I'm, I'm such a I'm such a nerd for this uh Dan I re-watched the game last night and Iran had went into the box over the last 30 minutes twice which is a great number obviously they're not threatening the U.S. defensively so they can score goals and you know Christian Pulisic in a minute could, could explode Gio Reyna's the guy has not played but he is very capable of scoring but they know defensively they're very difficult to break down. And there are some great teams that have uh, won World Cups using a similar formula. I will use Spain. In 2010, they won the World Cup. So they played four games in the round of 16 quarterfinals, semis in the final. Four games. All four of those games, they won 1-0. And I'm not saying that's something the U.S. could do, but you lean into what is working. You lean into your your calling card. You hope, and Spain was capable of scoring a lot of goals. U.S. is capable of scoring goals, but I think Greg Berhalter has looked at this team and go, "I can rely on the defense. It may not be the prettiest thing to watch at times, 
but it's it's something that opponents are uncomfortable with and it's something that's working so i'm not saying he's going to go into a shell against the netherlands maybe a little bit but um, because the, the the idea of the u.s is always the american spirit we fly out we attack we we probe and we we run you uh we we're, we're fitter than you that kind of stuff uh that'll continue but I think Greg Berhalter knows when push comes to shove, uh, he will get into these low-scoring games, and they'll protect the goal. And they have an excellent goalkeeper, and those center backs are great, and their fullbacks uh, are also uh, uh, having great, great tournaments. So it's it's capable. They're going to have – look, if they if they can make a run to, say, a, a quarterfinal or a semifinal, they'll have a game where they score two or three goals. Maybe it's against the Dutch on Saturday. <clears throat> Hey, last thing, I'm keeping you way too long, but Gio Reyna, you've mentioned him a couple of times last night or yesterday. People like, you know, what the hell's going on here? What is going on there? There's not, I don't think there's anything going on uh, uh, per se. He's, he's, he's kind of just caught in the numbers game. And like I said, if this was, if this was basketball, if you, if you put your best five players on the field, Gio Reyna would be one of them, right? It would be uh, Pulisic Reyna, Tyler Adams, maybe Anthony Robinson, and you just get your five best players. You obviously need different positions, but, you know, you, you find a way you need those guys to score. In, in this sport, you have to uh, – It's a, everyone's very specialist, like like American football. It's a, it's You you need a, a defensive midfielder to win balls. You need a number nine to score goals. You need fullbacks who are fast, who can go up and down the sideline and can cross a ball. And Gio Reyna – I mean, if you look at our attack, the, the center forward – plays with his back to the goal and he's supposed to score goals, but he's also supposed to hold up the play for the two midfielders on each side, which are Christian Pulisic or not midfielders, but attackers in Christian Pulisic and Tim Weah. Tim Weah is fast. He's supposed to get up. Christian Pulisic is your creative element that can break down defenders. You could put in Gio Reyna and take out Tim Weah, but then you lose that element of what Tim Weah does, which is separate the, the line of midfield and the line of defense. So there's space for Christian Pulisic. Uh, you might be able to take out a, a, a center forward, but then Gio Reyna has never really played that position back to goal. That's not where you want him facing goal. Gio Reyna's best position is where Christian Pulisic is playing. So I think Greg Berhalter doesn't want to lose those other two elements. He could also play in, under in the midfield, but Truth be told, the U.S. has never played a, a creative midfield type in that midfield. And if you do that, you take out Eunice Musa or Weston McKinney, who have been excellent. So uh, it's just a numbers game. Uh, I think his time will come. Uh, there might be a moment where you can play him and Christian Pulisic together, but you just don't see that. Other teams aren't doing that either. They're not playing two creative number 10 type players at the same time just because you need – those other guys to do their job so it's a well-oiled machine it's just unfortunately if there was no christian Pulisic, Gio reyna would be the guy that we'd be talking about and i think he'd be doing a great great a great job in that process it's just it, this is not there's not there, he, there's not an axe to grind here I, as some people may suggest this is just uh it's working and there's not real room for him and in the the u.s haven't really needed a player like Gio Reyna late in games to chase a game. They haven't had, they haven't needed a player to score a goal. They haven't trailed in this World Cup. That's amazing, even when I think about that. They have not trailed. So they've never really been threatened 
in being knocked out. If Iran scored last night, they still go to extra time. They haven't been hanging over the precipice for one moment in any of these three games. If they were, maybe that opens the door for Gio Reyna. But it's just, unfortunately for him, he's a kid. He'll get his chance. He'll be back for maybe two or three more World Cups after this. And maybe he's there. And I know Greg Berhalter's probably said, he goes, Gio, at some point we're going to need you and be ready. That might be coming Saturday. Maybe it's later in the tournament. But that's what we're looking at here with Gio Reyna. I remember as a coach, when we were play- <clears throat> when we were good, a guy would say, why isn't this guy playing? I said, <clears throat> I'd say, okay, who do you want me to take out? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean that's, a, you know, <laughs> you know, that's the question. That's who do it. you take out? And then yeah. everyone gets quiet, Dan. I go, yeah. who do you take out? Everyone's like, uh, I don't know. Exactly. Let's play with well, 12. Can't do that. <laughs> right. That's, that's, the, that's the thing. All right, where can people find the Soccer OG World Cup Daily Podcast with my friend Max? Uh, th- <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Uh, it's yeah, the Soccer OG World Cup Daily is uh, a podcast where all podcasts are available. It's a simulcast, so there's you can see my pretty face and my lovely outfits uh, every day uh, on YouTube under my name Max Bretos, B-R-E-T-O-S. Uh, if it, we try to make it very user friendly, if you're not familiar with the sport, try to describe it in a way in, in a, a nice thirty minute show where you can keep up and you can sound smart at the water cooler. And for the the more sophisticated types, we've got you covered as well. So if you want to dip your toe in the World Cup, uh, we're there for you at the Soccer OG. I'll tell you this. I'm smarter. I'm writing notes. As you're sitting there talking, I'm writing things down so that I can, you know, I, I you know, I'm a dumb guy. I, 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 not I am true, what Dan. I look like, just a big No, not true, Dan. Dummy, not true. <laughs> one of the smartest Thanks, men in Max. the building when I worked at ESPN, Dan Dockage. One of the smartest. Always great to chat <laughs> yeah. with you, man. And great to see your face, too, my friend. Thank you, my buddy. That's Max. Max, thank you. It's the OG, the Soccer OG World Cup Daily Podcast with Max Bredos. Telling you, one of the best dudes. And you look at Max, he always looks like he's got something going on. Always smiling. Always looks like, hey, I I love that man. I do. Oh, man. One of the the great things of working at ESPN, and, you know, I'm not going to tell you that Max and I were – but, but you see, Max, you feel like you knew him. You did. You're always that way. There's some guys that are just that way, and I can't thank Max enough. And go to the podcast, man. Soccer OG World Cup Daily Podcast. Don't tell me, well, soccer is boring. I want to hear it. No. No. You watch, and you get into it, and you're screaming in the last nine minutes. I was screaming, like, why is there nine minutes? It should be five. Why are we guessing? All right, we're going to come back. I got Jim Banks. We're going to get into this whole deal about Twitter. We're going to NBA in China. What is Congress doing? We'll get into that. I got some more headlines when we come back. USA, let's go. Hey, football season is in full swing. It's time to cash in on your favorite players with prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Here's the deal. Simply pick two or more players and decide if they score more or less than their projections. The more players you pick, the more you can win. Up to 10 times your money. All first-time users that deposit and use promo code Dockage will receive a 100% deposit bonus match up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100. Entries on prize picks can be made in seconds. They offer fast, safe withdrawals. Download it today. Don't forget to use promo code Dockage for a special welcome bonus. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. 
Hey, that was awesome with Max. Again, here's the deal. Uh, 9 o'clock, the coverage starts on Saturday on Fox, and it's going to be good, man. Netherlands against the U.S. of A. All right, let's get to some headlines. You know, it's interesting, guy. Guy got fired with the Sacramento Kings named Grant Napier. Now, Grant's been on our show, and Grant is a fantastic guy, and he got fired because he dared say all lives matter. <gasps> oh my gosh, can you imagine? I mean to tell you, all lives matter, and we got to lose our job over that. That's the world that we live in, or at least we lived in. So who did the Sacramento Kings decide, well, you know what? We're going we're gonna to righteously fire a man who's been there for... I don't even know how many daggone years. I, I, I can't even tell you how many years a man has been there, 25, 30 years. And we're going to hire Mark Jones. Now, if you don't know who Mark Jones is, Mark Jones is an idiot. I've worked with Mark Jones. Mark Jones is all about style, no substance. And everybody that's ever worked with him knows. I did basketball games with Mark Jones. And so, and, and that's fine. I mean, look, not everyone is perfect like this guy right here. But Mark Jones is a guy that has lived his life based on double standards. He tells you white people are going to shoot him, but he's married to a white woman. I mean, the whole thing is crazy. He decided, well, I'm not going to use police officers because, well, you know what? Uh, they're going to shoot me. He's a complete idiot that can't wait to get involved. He wants to be involved. Like, media wants to be involved. They want to be part of the game. All right, let's go through this guy. So Rush Limbaugh dies, and Mark Jones tells him to rot in hell, and ESPN doesn't care about this. Now, you got to remember, ESPN got all mad at me when I said I would not go at it in a pool with a crazy person named Joanne Mellis, that became I was sexually something hurt. And I said, look, if you all are married and you want to go at it in a pool with a woman that isn't your wife, God bless you. That ain't me. Take it however you'd like. I don't do it. Anyway, they got all crabby, blah, blah, blah. This dude, Mark Jones, told Rush Limbaugh to rot in hell when he died. That's this guy who has replaced a man who in Sacramento is a legend, Grant Napier. In Sacramento is a guy that, well, frankly, everybody revered, did his job with class. But Sacramento Kings got mad because Boogie Frickin' Cousins and Chris Webber, America's Liar, got mad at Grant for white or all lives matter. And they replaced him with this idiot, Mark Jones. Second thing. He asserted police were trying to shoot him. He said he, as a broadcaster, couldn't use a police escort anymore because he was afraid the police were going to shoot him. This was after years of getting an entitled police escort, after years of police lights taking him with special treatment from the press box to the, the uh, airport or the hotel, wherever he was going. Years of entitlement and special treatment. Football analysts, football producers, football directors will tell you the greatest thing about doing football is the police escort out of the stadium. 
But this idiot, when, when a cop did wrongly, when there was stupid things done by cops, decides that what? He's got to join in. He's got to be a victim too. He's got to take a stand. And ESPN was cool with that. He cheered when Nick Bosa tore his ACL because Nick Bosa had the audacity to support Donald Trump. Oh my God, this is an ESPN announcer. Why are we not shocked? That has been able to get away with this crap for years. Bobby Barak's been all over it. And anybody that's worked with my jam posse, we're chopping it up. He's tried so hard to get inside and to be a guy. And nobody to this day knows his name. Nobody, except for the stupid things that he does. We're giving him more publicity than Mark Jones has ever got. He lied about a police shooting. But, of course, that's an ESPN thing. Remember when, uh, what's his name? Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose went on and talked about an unarmed man who was armed, talked about a man who died who didn't. This is an ESPN thing. So Mark Jones is just following protocol here, lying about a police shooting. It's what you do when you're at ESPN. It's how you act when you're at ESPN. Mark Jones has done all these stupid things and just keeps getting promoted. Wonder why? He's not a very good announcer. He's just okay. Uh, Look, it pays, ladies and gentlemen. It pays big time, big time to be a victim. It pays big time, big time to be a liberal. You do these things as a middle-aged white man, you're out so fast. Hell, they wanted me out. They didn't get a chance to at ESPN because I said one time, I quote, would not go at it in a pool because the lady said, let's go at it in a pool. They said, I took it wrong. I said, no, I didn't take it wrong. I took it how I took it. They got mad. I had phone calls. Oh, Stephanie Drooley, Michael Schiffman. We have phone calls. Yeah, right. What do you want? My contract's up. I was leaving anyway. I'd give a rat's ass what they wanted to do. But Mark Jones and others keep doing this stupid shit. We all know why. Come on. We all know why. Uh, The transfer quarterback portal is hopping, baby. I think Cade McNamara got screwed, but we're going to get into this. Hudson Card came in for that Quinn Ewers and played pretty well at different times. And Hudson Card, legendary player in the state of Texas, he's leaving. Jeff Sims, Georgia Tech, he's leaving. Now they kept the interim coach, so maybe he will stay. Cade McNamara is a guy, I got to tell you, I, 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 got, I, I just got to tell you, Cade McNamara, to me, got screwed at Michigan. And, and not really, but here's the deal. Let me back up. He didn't get screwed. Actually, and I made a note to myself, I applaud what Jim Harbaugh did. Cade McNamara saved Jim Harbaugh's bacon. Jim Harbaugh had not beaten Ohio State. Jim Harbaugh needed to beat Ohio State. Cade McNamara comes in, and guess what? Guess what? They beat Ohio State. The next year, J.J. McCarthy and Cade McNamara have to battle it out. Who is going to be the quarterback? McCarthy wins. McNamara didn't get screwed. McNamara then got hurt, and it all played itself out, and now you're going to see Michigan be the Big Ten champs, roll 
uh, into the college football playoff with J.J. McCarthy. So it worked out, and I applaud Jim Harbaugh actually for doing that. But, man, you're the guy that saved the coach's bacon, and a year later you can't even get on the field. That's tough stuff to me. Uh, the kid Bachmeyer, fine. Hornsby, I would love to see, love to see. I don't want to see Hudson Card at Indiana. I don't need Bachmeyer at Indiana. But the other three, let's go, IU. I'm wearing my IU stuff today. IU, big game tonight against North Carolina, but let's go get one of these transfer portal guys or wait because there's going to be more. There's going to be a lot more. Transfer portal officially, well, free agency, let me see here, officially opens, what's today, the 30th in five days, right? December 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, five days, transfer portal, here we go. Free agency starts in college football, let's go. Here's a shocker. I don't know. Turns out the viral internet sensation Liver King was actually on steroids. Say it ain't so. I refuse to believe this. When I first saw this, I thought, what are they talking about, the Lion King? Remember the Lion King, the guy that we all had to pay attention to for two minutes? If we could show this guy's body, all you got to do is look at it right there. I am absolutely stunned. I cannot believe that the liver king is, I don't know, uh, on steroids. I would never have thought that. The dude eats liver. Human, or not human, I don't think he eats human liver, does he? I don't think he does. But when people uh, like the liver king come into existence, I feel bad. I feel bad for our country. I feel bad for our world. I feel bad. Leaked emails showed, listen to this, that the liver king was taking almost $12,000 per month, or worth of pharmaceutical HGH per month, three injections a day, all while promoting his brand of holistic lifestyle, ancestry tenants, and eating raw meat on camera. Now, I am not going to lie to you. I missed the entire liver king phenomenon. I, I don't know where I was. I don't know where I, where I did. I don't know. I honestly don't. But I missed it. And I ain't mad about it. And we all know this. All these guys, all you got to do is look. Really? Oh, okay. Here's how you tell a guy is on roids. Now, number one, if you took off his beard, his jaw would be out to here. Number two, you can tell by the veins. When the skin literally looks like saran wrap around a piece of chicken, that's how you know. It's pretty simple. This dude here being on roids is not the upset of the century. It is not Villanova over Georgetown. It is not. We didn't see this coming. We saw this coming. Good for him. 12000 a month. God bless you. 12000 a month. The liver king was making some scratch. You know what I mean? The liver king was getting it done. I am holistic. I don't even know what that means. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the college football playoff rankings are out. And I got to tell you, I'm anxious to see this weekend. And I hope, I do. I'm an Ohio State fan. My son played basketball at Ohio State. But I hope USC wins, avenges their only loss to Utah, and I hope TCU wins and gets into the college football playoff. I'm sorry. I just hope. Look, 
Does Ohio State deserve to be in? Probably. Maybe. I don't know. They looked god-awful. Awful against Michigan. They looked in the second half like they had quit. Now, what's going to happen this weekend? I honestly don't know. I can know what I hope. Here's what I also hope. I don't know why. No idea. No clue. But I'm a massive fan of everything Caleb Williams. I have not read about him. I don't want to read about him. I know that his dad is involved, and I don't think in a bad way. I just like watching the kid play football. I just like watching the kid get interviewed. I just like the story of Lincoln Riley going from Oklahoma and everybody whining. There isn't a person alive, Lincoln Riley's age, that wouldn't want to go to L.A., coach USC, and make that kind of money and live there. I've been to Norman. It's awesome. It's a nice college town. I've been to L.A. It can be awful. But when you're making the money Lincoln Riley's making, baby, it ain't that awful. Bel Air, pretty nice. USC is right by Watts, but you know what? I guarantee you Lincoln Riley ain't living there. He's probably living closer to UCLA's campus. He probably got a call from Will Ferrell. Maybe Jennifer Aniston was on the line. Who knows? Maybe Brad Pitt. I don't know. Maybe he could get tickets to who's the, who's the latest? Miley Cyrus. Or what's the girl that everybody's uh, going nuts about? I got to tell you, uh, Taylor Swift, that dude owns L.A., and if you're going to own a city, L.A.'s pretty good. And all the whining done by Oklahoma people. Remember the, the congressman who painted like the last six inches of the highway, which would take you out of the state on uh, west, which is where UC, our USC is. Remember he painted it and said, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. You know, all that crazy stuff. Anyway, all right, we got a picture here and a quiz. Who do you think is on steroids? Who would you guess would you be shocked that the guy on my right, which is the liver king, or the guy on the left? You want me to show? That's right. That's gross. Yeah, now who's on steroids, Dylan? I know you guys back there, but when I just pulled my shirt up, what'd you think, huh? Yeah, a little flabby. Got to tighten my stuff up. I'm working on it. But this is all natural, baby. Yeah, this is all hiatus tequila, pizza, Doritos, and a whole lot, I mean a whole lot of A&W root beer, no sugar, right there. I will never pull my shirt up again. I promise. I swear. It'll never, ever happen again. We got hot seat living. Who's living on the hot seat, baby? We also got Jim Banks, congressman from the great state of Indiana, getting ready to join us. He's got a vote, and then he's going to join us. Hot seat living includes a couple guys, college basketball first year. Hot seat living includes another guy with no coaching experience. Hot seat living ain't good living. I've been on the hot seat. It ain't good living. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. 
We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Hey, I'm just sitting here talking. That's all. Hey, hot seat living, it ain't good living. No, it ain't good living. There's nothing good about hot seat living. I've been on the hot seat. You lose the game, your kids are crying. True story. I don't like it. I don't even like doing a hot seat, but hey, they asked me to do it. They're paying the freight, and I'm pretty entertaining about it. In fact, and frankly, I've been pretty right about it, and I'm not all that excited about being right about it because I don't like that Matt Rule got fired. I don't like that Frank Wright got fired, but I'll tell you this. One of the things that I've learned about big-time coaching, hey, it's not bad business to get fired because they pay you a lot of money to do nothing. But hot seat living, let's go first. Colts, Jeff Saturday. Look, the front door to the Colts is the coach. It used to be Peyton Manning. The face of the Colts right now is Jeff Saturday. Jeff Saturday is the guy people are talking about. You can't screw up like Jeff Saturday screwed up. Jeff Saturday yesterday called it a learning experience. Jeff Saturday told you what I told you at 9 o'clock in the morning yesterday, and that is Jeff Saturday's lack of timeouts weren't bad because, well, you know, he took him with him. Who cares about taking him with you, win the game? His problem was his team was completely disheveled. His team was screwed up. His team had two downs. It wasn't about time. It was about downs. You had to get a first down. The steroids are killing me with this shoulder. But anyway, so Jeff Saturday screws it up. He doesn't call timeout. And then in his press conference, he does a lot of I, me, I, I, I. I thought we had a good call. doesn't matter. I thought we had a lot of time. It doesn't matter. If you've ever coached, you read the team. It's organic. You read the game. It's organic. You read the minute. It's organic. You read the player. It's organic. It changes. I don't care if you had a good call. Your team wasn't ready. Your team was not in a position to be successful. Saturday had no experience in it. Saturday has not been an advisor to the Colts. I mean, I guess technically you could say, hey, you guys just think about this if that's an advisor. Saturday had never coached anything but being a bad high school coach. And Saturday showed his backside, and I hate it because he actually made guys like Bill Cower and others look right, and there's no denying that. He was ill-prepared. He had no idea what he was doing. His inexperience cost the Colts and their fans on Monday night. Now, does that mean the Colts would have won? Absolutely not. I personally don't think the Colts have enough backside at, in that game to go ahead and win. They did early in the year. And then Saturday, Saturday yesterday, started talking about, yeah, well, I, 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 I. Too many eyes. If you've ever listened to great coaches, it's we, us. It's always we and us. Yeah, you know what? Uh, people can say, well, he was talking about himself. No, you've got to couch this into we and us. But again, the guy's never coached. I don't give a damn about his 14 years in the NFL. He's been out a bunch. I don't give a damn about any of it. I really don't. If you haven't coached to put food on the table you just don't know. I don't. I listened to yesterday a former player, a former player, never coached, say in a game, a college basketball game, Wake Forest against Clemson. Well, I don't know how they got that three. What do you mean? You're the analyst. You're supposed to tell us how they got the three. I don't listen to former players. If you're not a coach, 
I ain't listening to you. Now, you can say to me, well, Dan, that means you can't be an analyst if you haven't coached. No, you can be an analyst if you haven't coached. I ain't listening to you. Well, Dan, you say I a lot. Yeah, I'm not coaching a team. It's that simple. Saturday, I don't know. I know he wants the job. I believe that Jimmy Ursay is going to make him either the coach or the general manager. There's no way in holy hell Chris Ballard can be the general manager of the Colts, despite a fawning media. There's no chance. However, Saturday is not the guy to be the coach of the Colts. He's just not. This is unfair. I'm going to be unfair here, okay? And I don't want to be unfair, but you got to be. If you are going to take over a great basketball program with fantastic history, all right, you got to win. I'm sorry. You, you, you got to win. I, I Look, um, I went back to Indiana. I'm doing a lot of Dan Dockett stories, but I think they're good. Uh, I went back to Indiana. They had a blank show. They did. I cleaned a lot of it up, kicked guys off, suspended them for drug use, all this kind of stuff. Didn't matter. You got to win. In doing that, the players really weren't all that enthralled with me, and frankly, I wasn't all that enthralled with them. So cleaning up stuff doesn't matter. You got to win. When you're at Villanova, you got to win. Kyle Neptune right now, every single – go to ESPN right now. The story's still probably up that says, hey, look, Kyle Neptune's the perfect guy to lead – Villanova. Is he? How does anybody know? Robbie Hummel uh, opening the game, I think it was Portland State against um, Villanova, talked about what a great fit, what a great guy this guy is, what a great coach this guy is. I'm thinking to myself, really? Really? Great? Huh. Maybe. But no. When you coach at a Villanova, you got to win. Period. And I don't care if you're taking over a team. Look, I lost three of my best players, my three best players, five of my 10 years at Bowling Green, my two best seven of my 10 years. Nobody cares. You think anybody really cares at Villanova what the excuse is? Nobody cares. You know what they know? Here's what they know. You got your brains beat out by Portland. You've lost four in a row. Tough schedule, Michigan State. Iowa State, you got your brains beat out by Portland. You got your brain, you didn't get your brains beat out, but you got beat by Oregon. You're supposed to win when you're at it. I don't care if you're taking over. It's the same thing Mike Davis found at Indiana, and he did win. And then the Bob Knight factor kind of slowed down, and Mike couldn't win. But when you're Kyle Neptune and you're at Villanova, you're expected to win, and you're expected to win right now, you're certainly expected to beat Temple in the Big Five, which they didn't, you're certainly expected to beat Portland. I don't care if it's in Portland. It ain't in their home home court. You're Villanova. I hope Villanova doesn't do what Indiana did. Indiana lessened their standard. The Colts are in the middle of lessening their standard. I hope Villanova doesn't do that, and I hope Kyle Neptune wins. But you got to win. Speaking of got to win, this is where it started in Louisville. Since 1941-42, Louisville's 0-7. 0-7 at Louisville. They've lost to Bellarmine. You don't even know where Bellarmine is. I'll tell you where Bellarmine is. In Louisville. They lost to them. 
0-7. So Kenny Payne comes in, and Kenny Payne's got all the modern stuff. He's friends with World Wide West. He's got all the NBA stuff. He comes in, and he's the champ. He's bigger than the program. He's going to save the program, and I hope he does because Kenny Payne's always been nice to me, and I've been nice to him. But when you're 0-7 at Louisville, and one of those losses, ladies and gentlemen, is to Bellarmine, you got a problem. No, seriously, you got a problem. Now, everybody will give both Neptune, Saturday, and Kenny Payne a pass first year. They want to give them a pass. Lost to Bellarmine, lost to Wright State, lost to Appalachian State, got blown out by Arkansas, embarrassed by Texas Tech, got crushed by Cincinnati, and Maryland beat you last night by 25. The average, they lost, uh, they lost three straight to open the season by one. And then they've just gotten blown out. You hope, you hope that they haven't quit. You do. I'll tell you another hot seat guy, and he should be on the hot seat, is Cliff Kingsbury. I didn't put him in here. But I'm looking at Cliff Kingsbury, and I'm saying to myself, has this really worked? I don't know if it has. I don't think it really has. And, and, and let me ask you, um, let me ask you this. Would you trust Cliff Kingsbury? What's Cliff Kingsbury's credentials? He and Kyler Murray seem to be going back and forth. Is this more about Kyler Murray or is this more about Cliff Kingsbury? I don't know, but I do know this. When you lose, you're on the hot seat. Hell, when you win, sometimes you're on the hot seat. When you are with the Dallas Cowboys, you're immediately on the hot seat. It just comes with the territory. Is Matt LaFleur on the hot seat in Green Bay? Green Bay's one of those places, man. They're not going to sit still. I hate talking about the hot seat. I do. And I don't think I'm being fair to both Neptune and Louisville. But I would say to both of those fan bases that are rabid, Louisville's insane. Like, Louisville's out of its mind nuts. But you know what? Don't lower your expectations. Indiana did. The Colts have. I've seen it right here. It used to be when the Colts were 4-1 and one and Peyton was playing. Article in the paper, I'll never forget it, was, yeah, the Colts are 4-1, and one, but they're not playing very well. Hell, yesterday, Saturday, said, well, it's on me. And you would think that he gave the Gettysburg Address. The media was so excited about, well, he took, he took ownership. Oh, my God. Well, who, okay. If it's not on Jeff Saturday, who's it on? I mean, serious business. Who is it on? I mean, I'll, I'll hang up and listen. But Jeff Saturday needs to do better. And I hate it because, frankly, 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 Jeff Saturday made Bill Cowher and all of the old guard coaches look absolutely right. Uh, I heard it all now. Dan Dockich breaking down how he knows a guy's on steroids. You don't, you don't think coaching for 30 years? I, I, I don't know a guy's on steroids there, Jakey. I, I don't know what to tell you, sweetie, but uh, when you coach for 30 years, uh, you kind of do know, man. I mean, I'm just saying, you, you kind of do. You know, to quote uh, what's-his-face, uh, David Spade in uh, Rules of Engagement, you kind of do. You kind of know. Now, I'm sorry, little guy, if you don't, but I do. 
And when you're all veiny, ugh, you just know. Uh, Max Bredos was very good. Representative Jim Banks is getting ready uh, to join us. Uh, look at this. Dan says, I was always a fan of yours. I always told my boys, play as hard as Dockage. See that? Indiana is going to beat the living hell out of North Carolina tonight. North Carolina is one of those teams that went on a crazy run last year. I mean, a crazy run. Made shots. Oh, loving, uh, making every. Brady Manic was out of his mind. Armando Baycott uh, got playing well. Everything was going. They went on a run of runs. And what happens then is people immediately, immediately overrank you. Happened to me at Indiana. They do. Indiana is going to, Indiana's the best basketball team I have seen this year. The best resume of any team I have seen this year is Purdue. You cannot argue with Purdue. Purdue has been that good. I don't want to say this. I, I, I have no interest in Purdue beating the hell out of Indiana ever again. It's happened too many times. But having said that, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk to Congressman Jim Banks. Hey, Congressman, I can't thank you enough. I know you just voted. What did you just vote on? What did you do just now before you joined us? Not a whole lot. That's very important, Dan. It's the it's the lame duck session. You know, we just had the midterm election. Republicans won the majority. So Democrats are trying to cram through everything that they can over the next few weeks before Republicans take the gavels on January 3rd. So uh, today, uh, procedural votes later in the day, some massive spending bills and other other wish list items for the Democrats. They're, they're trying to ramp through at the last minute. How frustrating is it for you when somebody says, well, you know, he didn't vote for this bill that on the surface looks like it would help families or the economy. But when you read the bill, it's full of crap. How frustrating is that for you? <laughs> It happens all the time. The Democrats are really good at it. And you think about the, the Affordable Care Act, right? Or most recently, the Inflation Reduction Act, which actually increased inflation, but they got away with naming it the Inflation Reduction Act. It, it should be against the rules. It should be illegal to name bills the opposite of what they are. The Democrats do it all the time. They do it on purpose. At the end of the day, though, my, my voters, who, Hoosiers around the state who I talk to, they, they get it. They see it for what it is. They're used to to those types of tactics from uh, the other side. So as long as I can go home and, and defend my vote and explain it, uh, I, I rarely don't have the support of the public on my side. Yeah, because the headline is what they're trying to get, right? Jim Banks didn't vote for a reduction act. How could he do this, right? And the Indianapolis Star usually goes along with it. They'll, they'll give him the headline. It's almost, it's almost by design, Dan. I see what they've done, tried to do to you. They tried to do it to me. Uh, they they work in conjunction with each other, the left and the media. So the Indianapolis Star already has the headline ready to go, and the uh, the Democrats cook it up, or the left cooks it up for them, and they all work together. How important? Let me ask you because it, it, it it has helped me the star going at me actually in terms of numbers. How, it used to be if it was in the newspaper, oh my God, we can't have bad press. Um, how important are newspapers now? Uh, the, the influence of, of the mainstream media has has declined, as you know, 
uh, over the last several years. I find in politics, Dan, just like in, in your business, uh, when you speak truth, when you don't back down, that's what I like about you and your program, you never back down. When you don't back down, the public is on your side. And, and we've seen many political lessons of that. Governor Ron DeSantis is an example of the type of political leader who doesn't back down to the left or the mob. Donald Trump was that type of president for four years as well. Those political lessons are are important these days more than ever because the, the mob is always there. They will come after you. But when you don't back down to them, uh, the public, the voters, in my case, they stand with you even stronger. Um, I want to get into a couple of things. I don't understand this. I, I, I feel like um, Elon Musk buying Twitter was a victory for free speech and a loss for censorship. What do you see there? In a big way. I mean, you're already seeing Twitter come back alive. I mean, I, I was a victim, uh, by the way, to uh, speaking out on Twitter and getting getting um, my, my account uh, locked by Twitter because I was speaking out on a subject that's important to me, on, on uh, the, the vital importance of women in our society. And in this case, we had... We had a biological woman uh, who who, uh, who identifies herself as a man who who called herself the first female four-star admiral in the public health corps. So you had the the, sur the surgeon the surgeon general spoke out on it called called uh, her that as well. And when I when I pointed out a very simple biological fact uh, that the title of the first female four-star admirable has been taken by a man. I got my Twitter account locked and taken away from me until I deleted my tweet. It's a matter of free speech. Twitter is the public square. And Elon Musk gets that. I mean, it's ironic that it took a, 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 a man who's not from America to save free speech in America by buying Twitter and turning it back loose and giving the accounts back to people who spoke out and and uh, had their accounts locked by, by uh, those uh, uh, those leftists who were controlling Twitter before. So this is a significant move to give the voice back to the people in the public square. And I, 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 I like what I'm Twitter. Every time I get back on Twitter, uh, it feels like it's, it's alive and doing well once again. What, what do you make of Apple from a legislator, uh, a, a congressman standpoint? What do you make of Apple saying, look, we're taking it off of our app store or potentially they haven't said that potentially doing that. Yeah, it, it, it's a predictable move by Apple. Remember, uh, Apple is uh, firmly in con uh, under control of the Chinese Communist Party, our biggest adversary in America today. So, eighty-five percent of the of of your Apple iPhone comes from uh, from China and is is manufactured and put together by by Chinese Communist Party controlled owned entities and our biggest uh, adversary in, in 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 China. So, you've seen this with the. The NBA, which is firmly under control of, of the Chinese Communist Party as well. And Apple has been a longtime partner and supporter of, uh, of the Chinese Communist Party, too. So for them to threaten the free speech of the American people by, uh, by threatening to take Twitter off of, um, off of the Apple uh, iStore uh, so you can't download Twitter any longer, uh, is just a, it's a long line of examples that we can come up with of, of that type of a partnership between uh, Apple and China. It's it's unfortunate. We need to do something about it. And I've been threatening to, and I have introduced bills over the last couple of years. Uh, when we get the majority back and Republicans are in control of the House, you'll see these bills actually be debated and move through the process because most of us believe that it's, it's, it's long past due time for us to do something about it. Hey, I want to I, I, I 
want to piggyback on that with the NBA. Uh, the NBA, obviously, you just mentioned it, in bed with China. Can you explain to people what being in bed with China means in terms of the NBA's relationship? Yeah, the, the, the examples are incredible. You remember Daryl Morley was, was fired by the NBA for speaking out against uh, the Chinese Communist Party. And then a, a mutual uh, a friend of ours, Ennis Cantor Freedom, recently, uh, he, he's, a, he's a frequent guest here on Capitol Hill, um, spoke out against the CCP, against forced Uyghur slave labor, and was shit-canned by the NBA uh, for doing so. So uh, you, th those are incredible examples of, of, what, we're, of what we're talking about. Um, meanwhile, all of these supposed social justice warriors in professional sports, and not a single one of them has spoken out uh, uh, in favor of the, the protesters in China who are demanding that they put an end to the draconian lockdowns, give the freedoms back of the Chinese people. You haven't heard a single professional sports figure speak out in favor of the Chinese protesters uh, over the last uh, week or two. Um, because they know, uh, Dan, they know that their jobs would be, they, they saw what happened to NS Cantor Freedom, and they know that would happen to them if they spoke out uh, in favor of these protesters and to show support for them. So it just shows that the hypocrisy of the NBA, the hypocrisy of the left, the, the Chinese Communist Party, because of the incredible amount of money that the NBA receives from the Chinese market is on the hook, and they're not willing to do anything about it or give it up. You know, you know, Jim, on top of all of that, the man who is celebrated as the, quote, best commissioner in all of professional sports is Adam Silver, the frickin' uh, commissioner of the NBA. It, it, the hypocrisy is ridiculous between the NBA and the media. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, this is this is a sign of the times. And uh, if we're not if we're not, if we're not willing to recognize that that China, our greatest adversary, the Chinese Communist Party, they want to change our American way of life. They want to dominate the United States of America. And they're going to do it with, with, the NBA, with the NBA, with a lot of these, with Apple, with a lot of these multinational corporations that are on their side that, that do so much business in China. They're willing to give up our American freedoms to do it. Adam Silver is going to be a poster child uh, for a long time to come of, of those who are willing to give up our American freedoms, our American way of life, and, and turn it over to our biggest enemy who wants to, they, they, they literally want to dominate us. They want to, they want to own America. And in so many ways they currently do, we can't let them do it. We can't let them get away with it. I just saw where Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota said, hey, look, we're not allowing TikTok because that is a Chinese information center, basically. You agree with that? I do. I mean, TikTok is a is a dangerous tool by, that's used by the Chinese Communist Party for surveillance and and uh, you know you've seen apps over the years. There was the 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 Face app that you could download on your phone and age yourself so you look thirty or forty years older. That that was a tool of of a uh, of a Russian company to to obtain our biometrics. You you have companies like Twenty Three and Me and Ancestry.com that do the biometrics testing. Uh, Dan, all of those tests are sent to China, read by the Chinese Communist Party controlled companies and stored there. So these are all whether it's TikTok or or these apps on your phone or a company, these biometrics tests, they're all part of a greater design to dominate America and Americans. And we have to be we have to be awakened to it. But then but when you have forces like the NBA and Commissioner Silver and others who will turn a blind eye to it uh, to in the name of the almighty dollar, 
And we're not going to get anywhere. We're not going to we're not going to save America if we continue down that path. Why is mainstream media and by mainstream media, I'm old, so I go NBC, ABC, CBS. Why? Why is mainstream media so silent on so many issues? And I'll give you one. I'll just give you one. Um, I I feel like our country has decided for whatever the reason we're going to exploit children. I I don't get drag shows in schools. I I don't understand ads that show kids in various ways, but I don't see uproar. I don't see the woke mob, the cancel culture challenging any of this. Why is this? Yeah, you, 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 you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the, the, Mainstream media has gone uh, woke in such a significant way. Much of this is pushed by, you know, to go back to to beat a, uh, to beat the drum on on the the China threat. Much of this is is uh, being thrust upon us from foreign adversarial places uh, when it comes to wokeness. But the the mainstream media they they uh, they're they're in on it and um, and uh, in such a, in such a big way. You're never going to hear. Uh, ABC, NBC, some of these uh, more uh, uh, CNN, MSNBC. You're not going to see them talk much about the uh, the, dracon- the draconian measures l- locking down the people of China and the outcry of the Chinese people, because they, these are the same measures they were applauding in the United States of America. You have Dr. Fauci saying that what's going on in China right now is a model for the rest of the world. They're they're literally. Uh, locking people in their homes and and shutting them down, shutting down their their normal daily lives, and uh, and the people there are 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 rightly upset about it. And you got Dr. Fauci saying that's a model for the rest of the world. So when CNN and MSNBC give a platform to the Dr. Fauci's of the world, you can see you can see what what side they're on. They're not on the side of America. That's the most frustrating thing, Jim. That, that's the most frustrating for, for me. It's like, man, how about, folks, we take care of America? What about a blank check to the Ukraine? It feels like it's an open bank account. It's an ATM going to the Ukraine. Am I being too simplistic about that? Not, not at all. I've, I've said it over and over again, Dan. I served in Afghanistan. I wore the uniforms, the proudest moments of my life. And... Um, when we when we are focused on issues around the world and on solving problems around the world, but not focused on solving problems here at home, you got the the housing market is a mess. Inflation uh, is changing. Uh, you know what normal Americans can do on a day to day basis, having a direct uh, effect on Americans' gas prices. You got the the border, the fentanyl crisis. I mean, I, I represent Northeast Indiana, and this drug crisis is is crippling every community in my district. You have more drugs flown in the country over the open border uh, on the, at the southern border uh, than we've ever seen before in the history of our country, and it's it's having a drastic effect. So if we can't if we can't solve our problems at home, we can't give blank checks to the rest of the world to solve their problems uh, for them instead. And that that's the type of leadership that we've come, unfortunately, to expect in our nation's capital that we're trying to do something about and change to protect America, to save America and our American way of life. How corrupt is the Biden administration? <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's a loaded question, Dan. I mean, this is a this is a president whose family took millions upon millions of dollars out of China, Russia, Ukraine. Um, and we, we've been we have been uh, threatening to investigate those links and ties between the Biden family cartel and the money that they took from our biggest adversaries, how that influenced this president, some of the decisions that he's made. So you can expect that type of oversight 
to come in the Republican majority over the next couple of years as we hold investigations and look into Hunter Biden. And, and you know, he, when he said that 10, he was skimming 10 percent off the top of all of these uh, big checks that he was taking from China and Russia to give to the big guy, I think we all know who the big guy was that was getting it. But we, now we need to prove it and uh, and hold them accountable for it. You think you think um, it, it's like a talking point. The minute Republicans took over the House, the minute I swear it's to the minute, and said, "All right, look, we're going to investigate Hunter Biden's laptop." CBS came out and said, "Yeah, you know what? Seven hundred some days later, yeah, this, this is authentic." But it was almost like the media. And the Democrats got together and said, all right, we need talking points. Let's criticize the Republicans for not caring about the inflation that we caused, not caring about the gas prices we caused, not cause, not caring about all the crap that they caused, and all they want to do is focus on the laptop. It was absurd to me. There's so much absurdities to this to an old man. Uh, uh, you and everybody else. I mean, remember the laptop is what they, they the mainstream media told us was Russian propaganda, right? I mean, a little over two years ago, they said it was Russian propaganda. It wasn't real. Now we now that now they're admitting that not only was it real, but it it proves without a shadow of a doubt that the corruption of the Biden family. But they want to quickly change the subject and say that's a waste of time for Republicans right. to focus on that. So we have to focus on it. We have to focus on that type of of corruption to make sure that no one ever gets away with it again. That a former vice president and now president of the United States of America, who has direct financial entanglements with our adversaries, uh, that we have, we have to hold them accountable for it to make sure that, that, that no one ever gets away with doing something like that ever again. Is that possible to do? Is it possible to hold, I don't know, these Democrats, is it possible? It, it, we, we have to try. You know, we, we, we're going to have a very slim, narrow Republican majority, two, three, four seats in the House of Representatives. So we're not, we're, we, we, Dan, we might not be able to pass a whole, a whole lot of bills or meaningful, the, the legislation that we wanted to pass if we had a bigger majority or, or had a Republican Senate and White House too. But the one thing that we can do is provide oversight and investigations, which is a key and primary mission of the Congress. And you haven't seen that, whether it was the the debacle, the the uh, the deadly disaster, and the the pullout of Afghanistan, when thirteen of our service members were killed because of the 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 very poor uh, and tragic decision making of this commander in chief and his his uh, highest ranking officials. That's never been investigated. What happened in Afghanistan has never been investigated uh, by the by the by the current Congress. So when we get the majority back, we need to hold investigations into issues like Afghanistan, into issues like the Biden family. A corruption, a whole lot of other matters as well that we'll be focused on. All right. You're in Northeast Indiana. I grew up in Northwest Indiana. The man who taught me how to shoot a jump shot, Frankie Colensis, got not only charged but convicted for uh, buying votes through a concrete scheme as a councilman in East Chicago. Another man came to our house, my dad's friend, wanted to sign up the empty lot next to our house uh, and use it somehow to get votes. My dad said, we don't own that lot, the Melhams do, so he went to the Melhams. I, my point, uh, Congressman, is don't tell me that there isn't voter fraud. I've seen, my friend Frankie Kalinsis is in Mallorca, Greece, because Interpol can't get him. He escaped on the day he was to be sentenced to U.S. federal prison. He left. 
Don't tell me there's not voter fraud. I believe there's voter fraud. What happened in Arizona, I don't know. What happened in the previous election? Congressman, I think voter fraud is really on the minds of the American people, and they're getting tired of it. Is there anything anybody can do about it? Well, a recent poll that I saw, Dan, about 50% of the American people don't trust the outcome of our elections. So yes. whether you believe there is voter fraud or not, we have a we have a moral duty, uh, those of us in elected office, to restore trust in our elections. It's it's a fundamental underpinning of our of our democratic system. So we have to do things. I, I introduced a bill this year to ban ballot harvesting in federal elections to stop the process of going out and collecting ballots door to door to restore that type of integrity and in how elections are conducted. Once you start, by the way, once you start counting ballots on election night, you should be able to stop in the middle of the night uh, and then and then resume counting days later. You should be able to change election laws right before an election to give an advantage to one candidate over the other. So those are things that we have to fix at the state level, especially and at the federal level. Stronger voter ID laws um, in states uh, like in, in Indiana, passing passing stronger voter ID laws is something that that can and should happen. But to get back to what we've been talking about, uh, you have the you have the NCAA who's headquartered in Indianapolis. And when the state legislature in Indiana went to work and tried to pass a stronger voter ID law, get, guess who cried out and called that racist and threatened to, to, to leave the state of Indiana? It was the NCAA, along with a lot of other woke uh, entities and, and corporations. So you, you see what's against us when we're trying to do the the, the simple matters that the, that, that the American people, that people all over in Indiana want us to do pass common sense election integrity laws and you have the NCAA calling it racist, you, you, realize, uh, you realize what we're up against. There's not a chance in holy hell that the NCAA <clears throat> believes that to be racist. They believe they have to say that it's racist. Yeah, I, 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 it, it, it's, it's laughable on its face. And, um, you know, I applaud some of my friends at the State House who've been trying to do the right thing on that matter and, and, and push back against some of those uh, woke uh, entities and organizations to, to pass stronger, stronger election integrity laws, common sense. I think it's a, I think it's a legitimate anger problem. Like people think, you know, whether you believe a civil war, I don't know, but I, I, I think it is a legitimate anger among the people in the United States that we don't trust our elections. I, I, you know, I know people always want to point to things, North versus South, uh, racist. And I, I think voting fraud and the lack of trust in our elections is bubbling to a point that's going to get very, very nasty very soon. I think I could be dead wrong. You know better than me. I just think it's that big a deal. I, I, I agree. It's important. I hear it from my constituents all the time. And I, I think that the, the simple solution is stronger voter ID laws. It's up to the states to pass laws like that. I've introduced bills at the federal level to try to, and when it comes to federal elections, to find that right, the right way to do it. But th this is common sense. And I, I, I'm going to keep pushing for it, do everything I can to restore that trust in our election process. I, I, I'm, I'm keeping you a long time, but I, I got to ask you this question. I, I, I always look at things on a personal level. Like I try to take, you know, things. And so you're here as an outspoken, strong Republican. Obviously, you deal on a daily basis in hallways, 
you know, at lunch, whatever, with Democrats. Is it contentious all the time, some of the time, none of the time? Is it only contentious, you know, when you're voting or, or, or when you're in the chambers? What, what, what's a day like for you with that? Well, it, it can be. I mean, we often more times in, the, in a committee hearing room when we're actually having a debate about a bill or a subject. On the floor, we, we Dan, we walked down to the, like I just did it before we, we came on the air. I went over to the House floor, put my card in the machine and pushed the no button, which I push a lot more than the yes button, and, and walked back to my office. So rarely do you see debate on the floor of the house it often occurs more in a in a committee hearing or or in the public square like you know I, I find the most heated disagreements often with my my colleagues or those from the right and the left is often uh, in other venues like like online like on twitter uh, or in the media or uh, in the media so it, it's made perhaps not as contentious as you might think um and us duking it out on the on the floor or or on capitol hill but we, there is a great divide in our country about the issues of the day. And, and the American people are looking for leaders to rise up and stand against the, the woke mob and do the right thing. And that's the type of leader that I'm trying to be. Man, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I know you have a meeting. United States won yesterday and Indiana is beating the crap out of North Carolina tonight. There you go. I, I hope so. I hope so, Dan. But more important than that, I hope they beat the crap out of Purdue. And that, that's the... That's what I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned about right now. Purdue's pretty good. I'm guessing you're rooting for Michigan over Purdue on Saturday here in Lucas Oil. Uh, don't tell my, my, my Purdue uh, <laughs> uh, fan constituents in Northeast Indiana, but I, but I usually do root against them. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of them up there, too. Hey, I appreciate you, Congressman. Thank you so much. You got it. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. That was a great, that was awesome. I mean, I just love smart people that aren't afraid to speak their mind. And that's what Jim Banks is, man. That is fan freaking tastic. I know he had to go to a meeting. I kept him long. I got my guys telling me we got to go. All right, we come back. It's a what the hell Wednesday. That was a lot of fun. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with don't at me and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, one of the interesting things about the world we live in is how everything you say eventually comes out or everything you do eventually comes out. So back in the day when a kid named Deshaun Kaiser was drafted and going to the Packers, he met Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers asked him an interesting question. Actually, it was Kaiser played for the Cleveland Browns and then ended up with the Packers, but hey, so Aaron Rodgers in 2018 meets Deshaun Kaiser. He says, hey, do you believe in 9-11? Kaiser says, yeah, I believe in 9-11. And Aaron Rodgers says, you should read up on that. Hey, Aaron, go blank yourself. That's all I got for you. I mean, what, what, what are you? You should read up on that. Okay. All right, let's read up on that because Aaron Rodgers, Mr. Smug, says we should read up on that. This is what Kaiser said. He was like, you should read up on that. And then we just started learning up about the playbook, and I was like, wow, I don't know where he's going. What it ended up being was a thought experiment where he wanted me to go back and look into some of the conspiracies around it. We really bonded over that and started sharing some books, started talking about some other things, finance, history, business. That's pretty good. 
That's pretty good. But how about walking, hey man, first day on a job. You know, first day on a job now, that would be insensitive. You would be insensitive if you did that. I can't believe you asked my personal thoughts on something. I need Play-Doh in a corner. I need my banky. Come on, come on, come on. Now, I like Aaron Rodgers because he does speak his mind. And there's a great article on this, if you want to check it out, by Mark Harris on Outbook. It's really good. I'm telling you, we got the greatest writers here on Outkick. It's really amazing. But Mark Harris, uh, the title of the article is Deshaun Kaiser claims first thing Aaron Rodgers said to him was, do you believe in 9-11? I kind of dig it. And you see right there, two pretty smart guys. But I got to tell you, Aaron Rodgers is starting to give me gas. He was more interesting when he was winning. Would you agree? I I think so. You know what? When, and I'll get back to you, two people are rescued from a plane that crashed into a Maryland transmission tower. Now, I got to tell you, they were stranded at the top of the tower. Now, the plane went into, look at that. That doesn't even look real. Right, that, that Montgomery County Fire and Rescue had to come out and figure out how to get this airplane, which is a hundred feet in the air. Um, the pair. Now this happened at five thirty. They announced that they were rescued at one fifteen. Now I gotta tell you. Here's the deal. You, 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 your plane is going to crash. Can you imagine the terror? It is going to crash. And then it crashes. I just want you to think about this. And then it crashes. So you see it right there. It looks like those old airplanes we used to throw around as kids. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about. So it's hanging there. Hey, the good news is you survived the plane crash. The bad news is you're still 100 feet in the air somehow hanging on a freaking transmission tower. Man, this is about 15 miles outside of D.C. Now, as of this story, which was updated uh, at 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, they're still trying to get the plane out of there. I mean, how do you get that? You let it drop, obviously. You just unhook the thing and let it drop. What's the problem? Seems pretty easy to me. No. Hey, what'd you go to school for? Uh, You know what? I went to school to learn how to write. What'd you go to school for? Well, I didn't really go to school for it, but I can get a plane off a transmission tower, really. Okay. Really? Um, this is an article also in Outkick. Outkick's just unbelievable. Monkeypox. Remember when they tried, I believe, they tried to slip monkeypox bias as the next big pandemic outbreak. And then people said, hey, look, gay folks, stop having orgies. You know what I mean? It's one thing, you know, that you can transmit it by going to the mall or you can put your hand on something and shake hands and next thing you know, you're transmitting. But it's another thing where you try to put over on us that, hey, look, gay dudes having orgies is causing a disease. And we're, we're basically going, yeah, well, don't have orgies, idiots. I mean... 
I don't know what to tell you. So the World Health Organization, for some reason, the word monkey is racist. Monkeypox has died down, but the health organization says it's racist. Global experts, they didn't elaborate uh, what these people were experts in, but they decided to use the term mpox moving forward because of racist concerns. They, they said racist and stigmatizing language online as a reason for several individuals and countries causing concerns. Monkeypox and mpox will be used interchangeably until the latter is phased out. That's right. That right there, that's racist. That's not a monkey. That's a, I don't know. Uh, that is a hullabaloo. That's what it is. Can't say monkey, racist. Can't say homosexual, offensive. Can't say nice shoes, uh, sexual. The world is insane. It is hard, I'm telling you. It is very difficult as a human being to keep up. Now, don't tell me just don't offend people. Don't tell me that. Because saying nice shoes is impossible. To not, hey, look, I like those shoes. I am a fashionista. My wife will come down here and tell you when she gets dressed, she asks me, and I am 95% right. So I can't even say nice shoes. I can't even say monkeypox. I'm saying both of them. Screw you. Gay, homosexual, get over it. You know what? Sometimes it's okay to be offended. Nobody ever held up a baby. This is a baby. Oh, I better, you know, is it okay? This is a baby. And whacked it on the ass and said, you know what? You're not going to be offended. Screw that. You think it's nice walking around looking like this every day? You're going to get offended. Get over it. Who cares? And actually, you're not really offended. Ain't nobody offended by the term monkeypox, except maybe Lamar Odom, who was stupid enough. And I don't know why we listen to Lamar Odom. Lamar Odom OD'd in a whorehouse on freaking, uh, what is it, artificial Viagra. He's a stone idiot, but he says the mascot running around at the Phoenix Suns game is racist. So I guarantee at some point the Phoenix Suns will change it because they're idiots. Everybody's an idiot. The vast majority of people never had a racist thought cross their mind when they heard the two monkeypox. Most of us assumed it was no different than any other pox, like chickenpox, cowpox. Are fat people mad at cowpox? I am. I've already taken off my shirt. You know it's not ripped underneath here. Yeah, I'm offended at cowpox. Why is it cowpox? Why has it got to be chickenpox? Jeez. I got to tell you, y'all are nuts out there. How do you live knowing that every single thing that's said offends you? Get get freaking over it. Trying not to swear because we can't monetize it when I swear. So is that racist right there? It's a white monk? I don't know what it is. Maybe you can't even call it a monkey. I I can't keep up, so I ain't trying to keep up. I'm just telling you. All right, here we go. I like this. So people, don't accuse the TSA, here's the headline, of catnapping on the job. An alert agent at JFK noticed tufts of orange poking out of a slightly unzipped suitcase. The bag went through the x-ray unit. And in a surprise, there was a cat. The cat's out of the bag, the TSA agent said. You see it? 
The traveler said the cat belonged to someone else in the household, implying that he was not aware the cat was in the suitcase. I'm going to tell you right now. All right. I, look at that. <laughs> I'm going <gonna, laughs> to tell you right now. If I'm walking through an airport carrying a suitcase and there's a cat in it, I'm going to know there's a cat in it. I, I'm sorry. I'm going to know. You may not know. The cat's name was Smells. She didn't know her tabby was missing until airport reached. I don't. It's so stupid. You cat people, you dog people are insane. A writer here in Indianapolis, sports writer, when the Colts are going through all this, writes articles about a cat. You guys are, and then he cries. We cry. <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, uh, a mass nude. That gets me right there. I'm done. You say mass nude, I'm in. No, I am not. Uh, no, all right, reject all. Famous beach in Australia saw a bunch of naked people, thousands of people, stripped off their clothes at Beyond the Beach because they wanted something. They wanted to bring attention to skin cancer. They wanted to tell you skin cancer is bad. So everybody, seven, oh, uh, excuse me, 17,000 new cases, 12,000 people die from skin cancer. So thousands of people said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get naked. I subscribe to it. I always subscribe to it. Get naked whenever you can. I literally walk outside. We have a little porch off of our bedroom. I go outside after a shower when it's warm, and I dry this stuff off. Last night I did. I stand there like I'm king of the world, James Cameron. About 2,500 people dropped their drawers, got naked. Here's my problem. Um, I'm on this testosterone hormone thing. It could get pretty embarrassing if I looked at someone that I deemed attractive. I'm just saying. You don't want to walk around. You want baseball, baseball, ba baseball, baseball. Hey, Mike Trout hit a home run. Baseball. Oh, man, fastball. Verlander, great. All right, Altuve, Guerrero. Uh, yeah, all right. Yeah, because I'm telling you right now, on this therapy, I'm chasing Lee all over the house. Uh, if the wind blows, things get going. Just saying. I'd be careful. I'd be very, very, very careful. But I like it. There they are. Uh, I'd like to teach the world to say it's a Coca-Cola commercial back in the day for those of you that don't know. Uh, who's woking? Who's doping today? Who's the dumbest of the dumb? A.K.A. the woke o-dope of the day. Oh, she's an idiot. She's, I don't even, what do we pay attention to her for? I get it. She's a hot actress from the 80s. But why do we care? We can't see that territory. It's like a turf war. You go get him. Would anybody have any idea who Alyssa Milano was if it weren't for Twitter? Certainly you would have back in the day. But remember, she's going to get off Twitter. CBS off Twitter. Jim Carrey yesterday, he's off Twitter. Has anybody missed any of these? There is nowhere for Alyssa Milano to go where anybody is going to pay attention to her. Which leads me to this. Are you mad, you folks, that Elon Musk bought Twitter because you think 
it's going to uncensor people. Is that why you're mad? You liked the fact that there was shadow banning on Republicans, on conservatives. You liked that. That's part of your American dream. So now you're mad because Elon Musk is opening it up? Or are you mad, you crazy people out there, because child porn references were not addressed in the previous world of Twitter? Now they are. I've come to believe this. I don't know what the hell is wrong with people, but I have come to believe that somehow, some way, we have a really, really, really massive problem with people and child pornography. I know it's always been a problem. Don't get me wrong. One is too many. I understand it. But the more I look at our country, the more I go, wait a second. Twitter existed for all these years with this guy, Jack Dorsey, and his band of millennial crybabies, and nobody did a thing about child pornography? You, as Jim Banks said, could be a sitting representative, a congressman, and guess what? You could get your Twitter page suspended for speaking the truth, but they did nothing to folks that advertised child pornography? And you're mad at that? You're mad at the changes? You're mad that Elon Musk bought this thing? Is that what you're mad about? What could you possibly be mad about other than un-American things? He opened it up. People aren't being censored anymore. There are still rules. We found one. Hell, I wasn't on Twitter today because apparently Outkick 360 had the United States game playing during their show, so Twitter pulled down OutKick for the day. Hope it's not for tomorrow as well, but I don't know. There are still rules. There are still censorships. There are still copyright laws. But is that what you're mad about, you little Libby crazy people, you little pervs out there? Are you mad because your pedophilia is now being reined in? It seems like it. Are you mad because now others can share in a debate? Others you don't believe are right? Isn't that the American way? Can't there be peaceful and intelligent dialogue? Or do we just have to listen to crazy people dressed up as an opposite sex and listen to how, well, I'm really a woman. Can you give birth? No, I don't want to hear from you. Do whatever you want to do, but I don't want to hear from you. I don't care. I just want to hear from you. And that's me speaking, my wife actually speaking through me. Amen. Great show today. Unbelievable. You guys, Dylan and Ryan and Aaron, you guys handled it absolutely wonderful. You 25 people out of 100 votes that don't believe in 9-11, you're idiots. I don't know what to tell you. You're stone cold idiots. Yeah, and that's probably accurate. Probably 75% of America aren't stone cold idiots and 25% are probably idiots. I'm not sure which side I'm on, but I am, ladies and gentlemen, on the side of common sense. All right, back at it tomorrow. I got a lot to say about Jeff Saturday coming up at uh, noon, noon to three on 107.5 The Fan. Have a great, great afternoon, everybody. Thank you.